0: Good morning, my name is Alan. For those of you that may not know me, all right, so we are getting close to the end of a series called Teach Us to Pray. And we've been looking at how Jesus taught us to pray. In Luke 11, his disciples had watched Jesus pray, and when he was done, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And what we talked about as we began this series was how important it was for us to have that same attitude. How important it is for us as the family of God that worships here. To learn how to pray like Jesus. And so it just makes sense to go back and and look at what he taught his disciples then and apply it to us now. Just as a short summary of where we've been with this, the first thing in Jesus' guide to prayer is to acknowledge and balance both reverence and relationship. Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who's in heaven... And so looking at who he is and remembering that and remembering to have the reverence, but also to balance that with the relationship that we get to talk to him the way a child talks to his father and children talking to their father, ask for the things that they need, don't they? And they do it with respect and they also do it with confidence. The next step that we saw that Jesus gave us was your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. Which what I understand that to teach us is our first priority in prayer. Our highest priority in prayer is to pray for God's kingdom to come to this earth. Is to pray for his will to be done. And so oftentimes we skip to the give me, give me, give me stage of prayer. And we think about our kingdoms coming and our will being done. And we really have to change that. We really have to keep our highest priority, God's kingdom and his will. Last week, we looked at the third step, which is asking him to give us our daily bread. And as we pulled that apart and looked at it, what we're really asking for God to do is to meet our daily needs in a way that makes us dependent on him daily. So that brings us up to where we come into it today. You find it in Luke 11, verse 4. Jesus says the next step is to ask, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us. Now, this step seems a little bit different to me than some of the others because asking God to forgive us for we forgive is both a plea and a pledge. It's both a plea and a pledge. When you pray, do you ask God to forgive you of your sins? How many here ask God to forgive them of their sins when they pray? That's not nearly enough. Either that or else you're bashful about putting up your hand. I'm going to say you're just bashful about putting up your hands. I believe probably everybody here does pray for forgiveness of sins, right? Why do you do that? Well, weren't you forgiven of your sins when you were baptized? I've heard people argue at this point. Why do I stand forgiven? Why do I need to ask for forgiveness if I've already been forgiven? Contrition? I didn't think of that one, but that's not a bad answer. I'll give you what I came up with, and you can decide for yourselves if it's got enough merit to stand on, or if there's a better way to think about this. I think we should pray and ask God to forgive us of our sins. I mean, I could stop with just the fact that Jesus told us to do it, right? I mean, there's, that, that, should, that could kind of end the debate. He told us to do it, so we should. But I do think that it helps us to understand him, and who we are in Him if we ask the wise. And I think one of the first things is because God is hurt by our sin. God is hurt by our sin. How many of you parents out here ever have your children do things that upset you and hurt you? Yeah, if you've been a parent for more than 10 minutes, you probably know what I'm talking about. Do you ever get angry with your kids? Do you ever grieve? The things that they do doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us when he's angry at us or whenever he's grieved by what we do. He's a He's our father. Remember, that's that first step. But the Bible is all over the place. We read about how God can be angry with his people and how he is grieved and the Holy Spirit is grieved by his people. Our sin hurts God. So what do you do whenever you hurt somebody that you love? You say you're sorry if you want to keep the relationship. Actually, I should amend that. It goes a little deeper than just saying I'm sorry. I know some people that use I'm sorry as a get-out-of-jail-free card. They're not really caring about how you feel. They just don't want to be punished. They want you to still approve of them. So they'll say I'm sorry quick and cheap. But if you love someone and you want to keep a relationship, you'll say I'm sorry when you offend them with the intent of not doing it again. So what else would we do with God when we sin and we blow it? But pray and say we're sorry if we want to keep the relationship, if we love Him. So there's one good reason that we should ask for forgiveness. I think there's another one. Because forgiveness is conditional. I know nobody likes hearing that these days. Forgiveness is conditional. You think I'm wrong? It's okay to think I'm wrong, because sometimes I am. On this one, I'm pretty sure I'm right, and I'll, I'll give you my evidence, and you make up your own mind. I mean, that's what we're here for. It's not for me to tell you what's right and wrong. you got to do your own thinking. But I'll give you the verses that impress me enough to make this statement. You decide for yourselves. First one I'm going to show you is in John, First John Chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Actually, just 7 and 9. John says, but if we walk in the light. Now, as far as I know, if is one of those words that's conditional, isn't it? If. If we what? Walk in the light. As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What does it mean if we don't walk in the light? It means the opposite, doesn't it? Forgiveness is conditional. So what does it mean to walk in the light? I'll get to that in a second or I'll mess up my slides. I know I've got the slides a little done differently. The second thing that he says is in verse 9. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If is a conditional word. Okay, well... We need to deal with what it means to walk in the light and we need to deal with what it means to confess. Walking in the light means acting like God. And that includes forgiving. How does God forgive? I mean, he says plainly there, walk, if we walk in the light as he is in the light. He's comparing our walk to him. He is the light. Now, I don't want to send anybody down... The wrong way of thinking about this are you in the light in this room right now just forget the spiritual let's just talk about optics are we in a room full of light how wide is the light how hard is it to get out of the light see i can fall down and still be in the light can't i i not see something i could stumble i could fall over it i could still be in the light I've heard some teaching on this passage that would make a person think that walking in the light, the light's about a quarter of an inch wide. And boy, as a young guy, new to the faith, I thought, oh boy, here I go. (laughs) I'm in the light, I'm in the light. Pretty girl, I'm out of the light. (laughs) You with me? It doesn't work like that. Being in the light, you can still stumble and fall down in the light. But if I'm in the light, I see what stumbles me and I stop stumbling over it. Do you see the difference? So whenever whenever I'm i walking in the light, as he's in the light and I stumble, let's just come back to forgiveness for a second. Someone offends me so deeply, harms me so badly that I don't want to forgive. I'm holding a grudge, but then I'm confronted with what Jesus tells me to pray. I realize that I have stumbled and I've fallen. Now's when I choose whether I'm going to stay in the light or walk out of it. I can get back up and stop stumbling by forgiving, acting like Jesus does, forgiving like Jesus does, and stay in the light, Or I can choose to hang on to my anger, my resentment, and those other feelings, hold my grudge, and walk out of the light. That was one half of our equation there. Let's look at the second one in verse 9. What does confess our sins mean? As a young guy, as a young guy, I was taught, listen, when you're getting ready to go to bed at night and you're saying, now I lay me down to sleep, make sure to ask God to forgive you for the sins that you committed that day. Because we're supposed to confess our sins. If we do, he's faithful to forgive and to cleanse. So you've got to confess. What my little mind interpreted that to mean was I have to list my sins. So now this worked good until I got to about junior high. About junior high, the list of sins that I had committed each day got so long I was falling asleep before I could finish the prayer. And then I started realizing later on in high school, I don't even know everything I did wrong today. I, I sinned things. That, and so I began to have problems with listing my sins. And it was kind of, kind of a shame that I was coming down that road in that way of thinking because that's not what confess means. Confession is not about listing our sins. Confession means that I agree with God. That's what the Greek word means. It has to do with saying the same thing as God. Agreeing with Him. Here's how it works. Someone has hurt me. I'm going to use the forgiveness because we're on that topic. Someone has hurt me so bad that I'm angry and I'm, I'm righteously angry, I think. I've got a right to be angry because what they did was so unjust so wrong, and then I hear Jesus tell me that I need to ask for forgiveness of my sins for I forgive other people. Then what has to happen if I'm going to confess my sins is I have to agree with God that I'm out of line and that I have to change. I have to say the same thing about my unforgiveness that He says about my unforgiveness. And look what happens if we do these things. If we walk in the light, we're in the shower of forgiveness. It's like if I get dirty in the shower, you can't hardly tell because the water keeps washing it off of me as fast as it comes on. That's what he says there, isn't it? He says the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin if we're walking in the light. So I don't have to worry about being dirty, about not being forgiven if I'm walking in the light. I'm continually cleansed from all my sins. And did you catch that we have fellowship with God and with each other? Fellowship is bigger and better than friendship. Friends come and go. Usually it's because we align in a certain way and it's kind of like mutually beneficial. And then if that changes, then we're not friends anymore. Fellowship, I don't mean to be trite, but... I was once explained that the definition of fellowship is a couple of fellows in a ship. It's an easy way to think of it, but, you know, if you're in a ship and there's two of you rowing, you have fellowship because you're working together for something. Whenever I first started coming around Greater Alton, Gary didn't like me much. Isn't that true? It's very true. I'm not sure he still likes me that much, but... (laughs) He's got good reason why he doesn't like me that much if he doesn't. But our friendship developed secondary. What came first and primary is our fellowship. Because it didn't take too very long for us to see in each other someone who wanted to please God. And so we started helping each other. Are we friends now? He's, he's learned to like me. <laughs> and I've learned to like him. But we have something more precious than friendship. We have fellowship. When we walk in the light, as he is in the light, that's what happens. I cannot walk in the light if I refuse to be forgiving. Do you see that connection? The second half of it, confession, what happens is he cleanses us and purifies us from all unrighteousness. Cleanses us or purifies us. In other words, he changes how we think and how we act. He not only takes away the legal charge against us, He changes us from the inside out. I think God wants us to change how we think and act when it comes to forgiveness. I think that's why Jesus makes it such a big... I mean, we're going to look at... This is actually too big of a topic for me to cover and do any real justice to in one sermon. Unless you want to be here for a couple of hours. And I don't think anybody wants to do that. So we're going to come back and and finish up what Jesus taught on this topic next week. But I think it's fair enough to say that He's making a big point in His Guide to Prayer about us learning to forgive. It's a plea for forgiveness and a pledge to forgive that He wants us to put into our prayers. He wants us to think differently. He wants us to act differently when it comes to forgiveness. So my question is, what is godly forgiveness? I have to qualify it and say godly forgiveness because what we think of as forgiveness sometimes doesn't match what God thinks of as forgiveness. So now these are my words. You won't find these phrases in the Bible that I know of. Godly forgiveness versus worldly forgiveness. So understand, I just made that up to communicate the point. But I think there's a difference between the way God thinks about forgiveness, the way he acts on forgiveness, and the way he wants us to forgive, and the way the world typically teaches us to forgive. What's godly forgiveness? Godly forgiveness is canceling a debt. It's canceling a debt. Now, I could spend a lot of time giving you a lot of verses to prove that point, but I'm going to just trust that you've got the point. But by contrast, we have to look at what forgiveness is not because the world teaches us forgiveness in a different way. Forgiveness is not forgetting has anybody ever told you forgive and forget? How does that work? I still remember things that happened to me in grade school. Does that mean I haven't forgiven? If I canceled the debt, it doesn't mean that I can somehow, and see here's the problem. If we have a world's understanding of forgiveness, we may think forgiveness is totally impossible. And we may think that we've lost the light. And we may get so discouraged that we give up worshiping and following Jesus because we just can't forget something. Well, forgiveness God's way doesn't mean forgetting. It just means canceling a debt. It also is not pretending that it wasn't a big deal. Have you noticed this happen before someone does something and it really is bad? And they, especially amongst Christians, we think, I have to forgive. Jesus is clear about this. God is clear about this. So... You know, they, they punched me in the nose and burned my house down. Well, it wasn't that good of a house. And, you know, my nose didn't get broke. So really, insurance paid for my new house. I guess it's not that big of a deal. And so then we minimize and rationalize in order to try and forgive things. That's not forgiveness. That's lying. That's rationalizing. Because you did not really forgive the sin that was done to you. You forgave something, some fictitious version of what was done to you. And if you've ever tried it, it will come back to haunt you. Because the truth will come out and say, no, it was really this big. It's not down here, it's really up here. And then you'll be dealing with that same quandary. Another thing that forgiveness is not, is it is not the same as being reconciled. It is not the same as being reconciled. Boy, there's a, we, could, we could actually just spend all of our time talking about these points. I'm not going to. Reconciled means that what is broken is put back together. For that to happen, the sin that was causing the break has to be stopped. God wants to be reconciled to the world. He stands having paid the price and put himself in a position to forgive every person everywhere, and yet most will not be reconciled to him because they will not stop the sin. They will not submit to him. In our relationships, we must and can unilaterally forgive people. We don't need... If Brandon jumped up and slapped me in the face, it would. first of all, once I get myself back up, I can forgive him whether he's sorry for it or not. I don't need him to cooperate at all. I can forgive that debt. But I can't make him love me. I can't make him stop wanting to hit me. You see how that works? For us to be reconciled, Brandon's going to have to stop hitting me. That and brain damage, or in my future, if he keeps hitting me. Which some might contend is already a present reality. So you see, there's a big difference because how many people have thought, well, if I forgive them, that means that I've got to pretend like it never happened and we've got to be friends again. You know, if if someone just cuts you off in traffic or they say something rude, that may not be quite as upsetting to think, well, I have to be reconciled to this person. But what if someone really has abused you? What if someone really is violent? You know, what about in marriages where there's an abusive partner? You see where this can get a little more difficult? If we think that forgiveness requires us to be close and we confuse forgiveness with reconciliation... We may never forgive. Okay, moving on. What else is forgiveness? Forgiveness is ultimately an act of mercy. It's an act of mercy. Okay, well, what's mercy? Mercy is similar to compassion, but it's more than just a feeling. It's something that moves us to action. Mercy is similar to compassion, but it's more than just a feeling. It actually moves us into action. And see, where, guys, again, when we pray, Father, forgive us for we forgive, that plea for forgiveness also implies a pledge to be merciful to other people because God is merciful. In fact, I think it's Luke 6.36 says, Therefore, be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. Straight from Jesus. We have to be merciful, but mercy is more than just a feeling. It's like compassion, but it moves us into action. Mercy is also surrendering some of your rights. When it comes right down to it, Mercy involves surrendering some of your rights. This is where I expect most of you guys here today, and me too, to have the hardest time with Jesus' teaching. Because as Americans, we stand up for our rights. We will demand our rights. But Jesus calls us as people who are merciful, as God is merciful, to surrender some of our rights. Back to Brandon. I'm picking on him because I can see him right there. If he slaps me in the face, justice would require that he be slapped in the face, right? Good luck with anybody who wants to take that man on because he's a big man. Justice would require it though, right? But mercy says, I will surrender my right to justice and I will give you something that you do not deserve. I will not retaliate. That's forgiveness. I cancel the debt. And I show mercy instead. Here's the truth about mercy. This is a hard truth. Only the merciful will receive mercy. Only the merciful will receive mercy. The unmerciful will not receive mercy. So if you came in here today and you thought you had a right to be angry, you thought you had a right not to forgive, not to be merciful, not to give up some of your rights, to be merciful like Jesus has been with you, like God has been with you, you will not receive mercy. Forgiveness is conditional. Matthew 5-7. It's in the Beatitudes. Jesus said, Blessed means you're in a good place. Blessed are the merciful. Why? For they shall receive mercy. I don't know how else to read that. If there was any confusion, I think James chapter 2, verse 13 might nail it down. There, James says judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. If mercy doesn't move you to forgive those who've done you wrong, then when you're judged you won't be shown mercy either. That kind of cuts, doesn't it? Again, I, I'm i just trying to tell you what the Master taught. This was probably not a popular lesson in a lot of churches, but being popular isn't our goal, is it? Going the easy route isn't our goal, is it? I mean, if, if you've been applying these steps to prayer, didn't you already start adopting that your highest priority is for God's kingdom to come to this earth? For his will to be done to this earth? Are you really going to now scrap all that because you want to be angry with someone that deserves your anger? Are you going to be refusing mercy to someone because you have a right not to give up your claim to justice? You see how we end up undoing everything we've prayed to this point in Jesus' prayer if we don't learn to forgive If we don't choose to forgive, and not just to forgive the world's way, but to forgive God's way. So how do I forgive the way God forgives? I forgive like God when I, number one, when I choose to lose. When I choose to lose, there are some things that you're going to have to lose, and nobody can take them from you. You have to choose to lose these things. You'll find them. This is just one list, guys. This is in Ephesians 4, verses 31 and 32. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This teaching is so clear throughout Scripture. Over and over again. Because who we are is the new humanity, the new human. It's part of our role to forgive. You cannot be a part of this new humanity and hold grudges and refuse to forgive. They just don't mix together. So, what that means, if I'm going to choose to lose, I must surrender or lose my right to be bitter. Any of you guys dealing with being bitter? You might have a righteous claim or a right claim. I I gotta be careful with my words here. You might have a right to be bitter. If you told me your situation, I might go, yeah, I, I understand it. You know, being bitter is, you know, I can understand it. But if I'm gonna forgive like Jesus, I'm gonna have to choose to lose that bitterness. I can't hang on to my bitterness and be forgiven myself. I'm also going to have to surrender my right to rage and anger. I'm going to have to surrender my right to brawling and slander. I'm going to have to lose the right to hit people with my fists or with my words if I'm going to forgive like God has forgiven me. I'm going to have to choose to surrender my right to malice. Malice is about having hard feelings. About thinking nasty things about people. If you would on your notes, if you've got the courage, circle the one of that list that is the most difficult for you, that's your sticking point. Because if you can identify it, then you can begin to work on it and to heal. And to ask God and to talk to God and to look in His Word and let Him change how you think and feel so that you can have that cleansing that we read about. So that you can have that change in your thoughts and in your actions. Which one is it that is most difficult for you? Second point, and this is the last one. I'm going to have to choose to love. If I'm going to forgive like God, I'm going to have to choose to love. So not only am I going to have to choose to lose, I'm going to have to choose to love. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 Paul told that, that church. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, again, there's that new humanity. There's that vocation that as Christians we've received as children of God, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We are a chosen person, chosen people. You are a chosen person. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, humility, by the way, one of the quick definitions on humility that I've learned that's helped me out with this is that, for me, it means not having to get my way. I know it means much more than that, but for me to try to get my hand around something so big as actual, genuine, from the heart kind of humility, I've had to start with understanding I don't have to get my way. Maybe you can relate to it. Maybe I'm just super childish on some of this stuff. Maybe you found this years ago. But whenever I read humility, I read I'm not to demand my way. He also mentions gentleness and patience. We're supposed to clothe ourselves with that. I mean, I, I know people in this congregation that will not leave unless they look a certain way in the mirror. They won't leave their house. They really want to clothe themselves in a way that flatters themselves and projects the right image. Okay, use that. Understand, God wants you to dress this way. This is what it means to love. Is to dress this way. To put on these things. But he goes on and he says, verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. I've had to wrestle with what he means by bear with one another. This is what I've come up with today. There are some people that are not going to change. There are some people that irritate the fire out of me. Of course. The truth is I irritate the fire out of plenty of other people. But, you know, you always think about the people that irritate you, right? And in a church where we have a standard that we can all agree on, there are some brothers and sisters who still blow it. And they know that they blow it. And they're trying, but they're not there yet. And that weakness of theirs just rubs me wrong. Am I the only one? Well, here's how we used to handle stuff like that around here. You change or else. You're wrong. I can show you right here. See the scripture? Yeah, I saw the scripture. I know it was wrong whenever I did it. I'm just having a problem. Well, I don't care. I'm not going to love you or hang out with you until you quit throwing elbows. You're going to have to change that or we ain't going to get along. Well, the problem with that is that's not forgiving God's way. Bearing with one another, I think, means... I'm going to have to stand in relationship with this person and show mercy to them and surrender some of my rights until they get it. Until God changes them. I know if they're a Christian, God is working on them, but the thing is, is God may be working on them on some other point right now and we will get to the point that's bothering me later. I don't dictate the curriculum for another believer as to what God works on in their lives and when he works on it. I am also on the anvil. And I know for a fact in a crowd this size, I drive some of you guys nuts. I, for those of you who have trouble liking me, I don't always like me. So we're we're on the same side on some of this, right? But here we are commanded to bear with one another and to forgive, which means canceling a debt. And then he goes on, he says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Boy, do you get that repetition? How often forgive as the Lord forgave you? How often that comes up in Scripture? You know, whenever things are repeated over and over again, I think we should realize God's trying to get our attention with something. We're not to forgive as the world forgives. We're not to forgive as I would naturally want to forgive. We're supposed to forgive as the Lord forgave us. And he says, and over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Another scripture to show you is Ephesians 4, verses 32, which is actually the last verse in that chapter, and it goes on into the next chapter, chapter 5, 1 and 2. He says, be kind to one another. i got to be honest with you. Some of you guys are kind to some of us and refuse to be kind to other ones. We will not fulfill the purpose God has for us as a church, as long as we think we have a right not to be kind to all of God's kids. He says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted." So this goes beyond just the outward emotions, because I can slap a, a smile on my face and treat you a certain way and in my heart be just, I don't like this person. I don't like them, I don't like them, I don't like them, I don't like them. That's not good enough. It's got to be tender-hearted. I've got to have some compassion for what that person is dealing with and kind to them. Forgiving one another as what? Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. There it is again. There it is again. If we're walking in the light and we refuse to forgive, we're stumbling over that one. Okay, you're not out of the light if you're falling down. It's whether or not you choose to stay down there because there's a difference between walking and rolling around in your human nature and your weakness. Forgiving one another as God and Christ forgive you. Therefore, be imitators of God. You realize we're not supposed to imitate our preachers or our elders or personalities on TV. We're supposed to imitate God. Imitate them as beloved children. There it is again, back to the first step. Balancing reverence and relationship. Our Father who's in heaven. And walk in love. There's that one again. Here's this walk thing again. The Greek word is perpetual, which means simply one step An intentional step followed by another intentional step followed by, and you get it, perpetual motion. But it takes you on a journey. We're supposed to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. You cannot do this, folks, if you don't choose to lose. Jesus chose to lose some things, didn't he? If he's our master and we're following him, we're going to have to choose to lose and choose to love. He loved us and gave himself up for us. In Matthew 5, 9, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. They'll be called the children of God. Again, if we're praying our Father in heaven, We need to acknowledge that there needs to be a family resemblance. And if there's going to be a family resemblance, one of the key features of God is that He is a peacemaker. Understand, peace doesn't just happen. Peace has to be made. And if we're going to be a family resemblance to God, if we're going to be His children, and able to approach Him on the basis of our Father who is in heaven, we're going to have to choose... To be peacemakers. Being merciful is bearing God's image. Why did God create man? Do you remember the discussion there in early Genesis? Let us make man in our image. We're to bear the image of God like a mirror. Whenever you look in a mirror, it bears your image. God is light. Whenever we bear his image, we become light. I mean, this this is again taught throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament, in lots of different places. Well, I did this once in a lesson where I took a mirror and had someone shine a bright light into it, and then I just moved the mirror around. Guess what happened to the light? I could direct the light into the darkest place and light it up. That is our calling as a new human. As a Christian, as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus is to bear His image. We're to have a family resemblance and we're supposed to shine God's light into the darkness around us. And where there is unforgiveness, it is dark. Look around. Watch your news. Good grief. Watch the cable news. It's dark out there. How much forgiveness do you see going on in the world around us? Well, are we helping? Are we, are we showing the world around us that it can be done and how to do it and that it's worth doing? Or do we look more like them? We have to choose to lose our rights to be angry and not forgive. We have to choose to love and then we'll bear God's image and we'll bring light into this dark world. And yeah, it can start with just the, the, the thing that's going on in your family or in your workplace. One last thought. How do you want to be forgiven? How do you want to be forgiven? Partially? Not at all? Look, (laughs) completely, fully. Look at what, I'm glad you said that because here's what Jesus says about it in Luke chapter 6 verse 38. He says, given it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The measure you use to dish it out to others is the measure that God will use to dish it back to you. Are you praying, Father, forgive me my sins, for I am forgiving those who are indebted to me? Is that a part of your regular prayer life? Because that's powerful. There's the plea for your own forgiveness, which gets you thinking and understanding what God is forgiving you of, but it's a pledge that I will forgive others the same way that you've forgiven me. Are you praying that way? Will you pray that way? Is there somebody that you need to forgive? You're not going to get graded on this by me. I'm not asking you to write it down and and stand up here and tell everybody all your darkest stuff. But you need to deal with this. Is there somebody you need to forgive? I know people who are having a hard time forgiving people who are already dead. And they carry this burden. They're not free. Is there someone you need to forgive? Then get honest with it. Will you forgive them the way that God has forgiven you? Will you commit to praying Forgive us our sins, for I am forgiving others who are indebted to me. I'm going to stop the lesson here. I've gone longer than I wanted to. Thanks for being patient with me and letting me get all this out here as best as I possibly can. Let's pray. And, and guys, let's take seriously this challenge to pray like Jesus. Could you imagine in a crowd this size, if we pray like Jesus, how he will change not only us, but the area we live in. And his kingdom would come and his will would be done. If that doesn't get you excited, maybe we've miscommunicated because that's worth getting excited about. I mean, that's worth... Divide- that is what we've devoted our whole lives to. Let's pray and call it a morning. Heavenly Father... Uh, Man, it's hard to get our our minds around this idea of forgiven. Some of us have been hurt so badly and treated so wrongly that everything inside us screams, I don't want to forgive. I don't want to forgive. But yet it's so plain. We must, if we're yours. We have to forgive. We have to choose to lose the bitterness and the anger And the resentment. We have to choose to surrender all of that. Surrender those rights that we have. And we have to choose to be loving, to clothe ourselves with kindness and gentleness and humility. Father, we want to bear your image better. We want to be called sons of God. We want to be peacemakers. We want to make a difference in our homes and in our jobs, in this church and in our community for your sake and see your kingdom come and to see your will be done here on this earth. Father, I pray that you'll help. You'll forgive us of our apathy and our our neglect of some of these matters. I, we, we pray that you'll forgive us when we get short-sighted and get caught up in this world and trying to find comfort and entertainment and those things. And when we get American thoughts in our heads stronger than we do your thoughts. We need your forgiveness, but Father, we want to, we want to walk in the light. We want to change. We want to stop stumbling. Help us to get our hands around this forgiveness thing. Help us to have the courage to forgive. Father, we love you and it's in Jesus name we pray. Amen.